eyebrows. He saw Father Brown of Cobhole in Essex, whom he had recently met in England. He saw, perhaps with more interest than any of these, a tall man in uniform, who had bowed to the Galloways without receiving any very hearty acknowledgement, and who now advanced alone to pay his respects to his host. This was Commandant O'Brien, of the French Foreign Legion. He was a slim yet somewhat swaggering figure, clean-shaven, dark-haired and blue-eyed, and, as seemed natural in an officer of that famous regiment, of victorious failures and successful suicides, he had an air at once dashing and melancholy. He was, by birth, an Irish gentleman, and in boyhood had known the Galloways, especially Margaret Graham. He had left his country after some crash of debts, and now expressed his complete freedom from British etiquette by swinging about in uniform, sabre and spurs. When he bowed to the ambassador's family, Lord and Lady Galloway bent stiffly, and Lady Margaret looked away. But for whatever old causes such people might be interested in each other, their distinguished host was not specially interested in them. No one of them at least was in his eye the guest of the evening. Valentin was expecting, for special reasons, a man of world-wide fame, whose friendship he had secured during some of his great detective tours and triumphs in the United States. He was expecting Julius K. Brain, that multimillionaire whose colossal and even crushing endowments of small religions have occasioned so much easy sport and easier solemnity for the American and English papers. Nobody could quite make out whether Mr. Brain was an atheist or a Mormon or a Christian scientist. He was ready to pour money into any intellectual vessel, so long as it was an untried vessel. One of his hobbies was to wait for the American Shakespeare, a hobby more patient than angling. He admired Walt Whitman, but he thought that Luke P. Tanner of Paris, Pennsylvania was more progressive than Whitman any day. He liked anything that he thought progressive. He thought Valentin progressive, thereby doing him a grave injustice. The solid appearance of Julius K. Brain in the room was as decisive as a dinner bell. He had this great quality, which very few of us can claim, that his presence was as big as his absence. He was a huge fellow, as fat as he was tall, clad in complete evening black without so much relief as a watch-chain or a ring. His hair was white and well-brushed back like a German's. His face was red, fierce, and cherubic, with one dark tuft under the lower lip that threw up that otherwise infantile visage with an effect theatrical and even Mephistophelian. Not long, however, did that salon merely stare at the celebrated American. His lateness had already become a domestic problem and he was sent with all speed into the dining-room with Lady Galloway on his arm. Except on one point the Galloways were genial and casual enough, so long as Lady Margaret did not take the arm of that adventurer O'Brien, her father was quite satisfied, and she had not done, so she had decorously gone in with Dr. Simon. Nevertheless, old Lord Galloway was restless and almost rude. He was diplomatic enough during dinner, but when over the cigars three of the younger men, Simon, the doctor, 
Brown, the priest, and the detrimental O'Brien, the exile in a foreign uniform, all melted away to mix with the ladies or smoke in the conservatory. Then the English diplomatist grew very undiplomatic indeed. He was stung every sixty seconds with the thought that the scamp O'Brien might be signalling to Margaret somehow. He did not attempt to imagine how. He was left over the coffee with Brain, the hoary Yankee, who believed in all religions, and Valentin, the grizzled Frenchman, who believed in none. They could argue with each other, but neither could appeal to him. After a time, this progressive logomachy had reached a crisis of tedium. Lord Galloway got up also and sought the drawing-room. He lost his way in long passages for some six or eight minutes, till he heard the high-pitched, didactic voice of the doctor, and then the dull voice of the priest followed by general laughter. They also...